Welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Friday, September 25th. I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker, here with Ted Schwerzler of Twins Daily. And yes, the first place Minnesota Twins by a full game. Ted, last night, just a recap for Twins fans who don't know, we're watching the game. Jose Ramirez has been the Twins MVP. What did you feel when uh, Ramirez ripped that ball off the wall against the White Sox? It's 4-1 to one in the eighth inning. And I, I texted my dad and I said, this game's over. You know, the White Sox are going to win it. But uh, they found a way to lose again, and, and Jose Ramirez found a way to uh, make us happy. Yeah, it, I don't know. When they went down um, with that four-run inning, and I think it was the seventh, I was kind of like, okay, so the Twins will have to probably sweep the Reds to, to get this done. And instead, uh, they come through, and late again, the White Sox give up another, another ugly uh, – a ugly loss at least this one wasn't a walk-off for him but <laughs> yeah four straight so the the Indians sweep the White Sox four straight games and that propels the Twins into first place and now they control their own destiny it's been such an up and down year for the Twins you know they lost six in a row they got off to that 10 and 2 start they won four they lost six and now they're hot again in September and it's it's been up and down but I think the lowest point for me Ted was last Thursday when they got beat by the White Sox in a winnable game that Kent Maeda started against uh, Reynaldo that was the low point for me what do you think has been the low point of the year and, and do you think we're at the high point now yeah, I think it's a weird situation with baseball because I feel like momentum is so fleeting. And, um, yeah, to call some of those spots where, especially the White Sox, but then some of the games that they drop to, you know, Kansas City or Detroit along the way, um, to call those low points too, I mean, they're essentially just missed opportunities along the way. And I say momentum is fleeting because on one hand, you know, you want to see them turn it on and Rocco and the front office as a whole is really um, kind of managed to be ready and be healthy and whatever in the postseason and, and get clicking. But I mean, it wasn't, I think, two, three years ago when the Indians won 22 straight and then we're done in the ALDS. So I mean, winning streaks in baseball are hard and um, yeah, a series of three and five games is such a crapshoot. You just, you got to have the best dice that you can roll and throw them. Yeah, it is. And I don't think there's, I, I think you had quote tweeted something last week. There's no correlation, right, to how you finish a season and, and how you end up playing in the ALDS or the wild card round. Yeah, I can't remember who had that article but yeah it was a good amount of data that had shown that and obviously there's certain opponents you'd prefer to face but that's not really how it works out either I mean the twins could likely want to face the Toronto Blue Jays but mm -hmm. let's talk about yeah let's talk about those scenarios because there's still a lot up in the air I don't think we're going to know until Sunday Ted really uh who the twins are playing where they're seated I don't think we're going to know until Sunday night really but their magic number is three, so destiny's in their hands. If they win the division, they'll likely be the, be the two seed uh, over Oakland if they can win two out of three here over Cincinnati. And they're sending the cavalry since he's got Molly going tonight, Luis Castillo. He's got that nasty changeup tomorrow, and then either Sonny Gray or Bauer on Sunday I saw. So, you know, it's going to be tough for the Twins. They're going to have to go out there and earn it. But you had ranked 10 on Twins Daily, the, the opponents you'd most want to see to, to least want to see what went into that decision-making and what was the hardest part of that list? Um, I think that it, it, based on like what you assume 
a team is capable of and what they've done in a 60 game season are just so different. Like the blue like said, the blue Jays are seventh on that last. Um, and, and seeing, you know, they have a lineup that can, that can put the ball out of the park. Yeah. They don't really have pitching, but that's not necessarily um, a, a rollover team. And then the second to last team is the Houston Astros who have been a perennial world series favorite for the last however many years. And, They've been really mediocre this year. They haven't hit, but last night, as you mentioned when we were um, hopping on here, Altuve, Springer, um, and Bregman all went deep, and they've they've gotten some pitching from guys like Framber Valdez to step up. I mean, they're not going to have Verlander anymore. Um, I think maybe the one that is probably fallen off the most for me is probably the athletics. I mean, they haven't record but not having Matt Chapman is a big blow to them um, and I think that there's some uncertainty uh, based on the strength of that record because of the division they play in I mean the, the Rangers are awful um, and for long stretches the Angels have been pretty poor this year too so um, they've beaten up on some some mediocre to bad teams but really the top you know three or four uh, New York Tampa Chicago, Cleveland, not necessarily in that order. I don't know that there's necessarily a team that you just say, yeah, give us those guys. I think all of them have a wart and all of them can beat you uh, pretty consistently. It's one of those things where I think, in my opinion, and it sounds like in your opinion too, I think we'd all want to play the Blue Jays. I think every team in the American League wants to play the Blue Jays. It's not because they're a bad team. You know, they're probably in 162 around a 500 team. They're not bad. You're not going to play a bad team in the playoffs as it should be. Uh, I don't think they're bad, but they are the worst of the eight. And then after that, I think about it, if the Twins can win the division, they can avoid the Yankees, Rays, and White Sox side of the bracket most likely because the White Sox will probably be the five. They'll play the Yankees, and the Rays are the one seed. So now the Twins are on the bottom half of that bracket. And you mentioned the Astros, the A's, and if they can get past Cleveland, I like their chances to go to the ALCS. Uh, I was thinking about that when writing this up the other night. I, I think uh, a Twins-Rays um, ALCS would be a lot of fun. I mean, it's two teams that build similarly, um, have front offices that are forward-thinking, don't necessarily I mean the twins now have some star power um, from a name perspective but both of those teams have been really organically con- um, constructed right. as opposed to you know bringing in the the big free agent ticket or swinging the big trade and I think there'd be a lot of intrigue and I think it would while it wouldn't draw you know New York type ratings I think it would put both of those franchises on the map and they both deserve it for the the amount of work that um, they put in to construct the teams they have yeah I think the Rays are a team that I find myself looking past but I'm glad you you mentioned them as the number one they've been the best team in the American League this year they've been the most complete team in the American League this year and they deserve to be the number one team the Twins wouldn't want to face. They, they just have a way of winning ball games. You know, they just they, they have a construction to win. And whether that translates this year into October, we'll see. I think, Ted, for me, it would be really exciting to play the Yankees in the ALCS. I don't want to play the Yankees in the first round because – and it's not necessarily fear. And I, I want to know your perspective on this too because I don't think it's fear for me. It's more so the, the pain that we'd feel. I think the number one pain index – would be losing to the Yankees again. 
And so it's almost a risk thing for me. And I put the White Sox right there because it would hurt to get beat by the White Sox in the first round. But getting beat by the Yankees, we go into this offseason again for six months and we're saying, what the heck just happened? We just got beat by the Yankees again. When is it going to end? And we said that last year and they had such a good season, the Twins. And, and I, don't, I just don't want to say that again this year after one round. If you lose to them in the ALCS in a seven-game series, yeah, we'll be upset. But I think it's different than if you lose to them in the first round. What's your perspective on playing the Yanks? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I kind of want them to match up at some point throughout the postseason. Me just too. feel like you need to you need to get over that hump. I agree. Um, but I've written it now the last two years that yeah, you can't be like that history is irrelevant for 99% of these guys. 2019 is relevant because obviously the roughly the same makeup of, of guys lost right. to the Yankees. But you know what Michael Kadire and Torrey Hunter did in the early 2000s against the Yankees doesn't have any impact on, on these guys. The tough part is that, you know, on a yearly basis, the Yankees are a really good team. And if yep. you're going to make the postseason, you're probably going to run into another really good team. Uh, so, you know, it's an unfortunate logical set of circumstances. It's just, yeah, I would agree with you. Give yourself a little bit of runway um, prior to seeing them, but I, I don't think that there's some juggernaut that can't be beaten. Who knows by the second round, maybe uh, we'll be back to the AAA Yankees too. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in the hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through September 30th. The improved built bars, even deliciouser. There are 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and yes, they are soft and easy to chew. Built bars are healthy. Built bar is great for the health conscious guy. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, full of protein, full of fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. In the peanut butter bar, only 5 grams of sugar and 180 calories. Built Bars reset the promo code for this relaunch, so listen carefully. You get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last when you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. Also, you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, all caps, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com and also a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. That's code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. <laughs> yeah, and also you think about the Yankees rotation. I was talking to my buddies about this last night, and 
my buddies are White Sox fans. So I walked into their apartment last night, Tim, they were just silent. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even say a word to me. Uh, it's funny to see that, but then the twins will lose. I got to go over there and face them too. You know, I gotta, I gotta face them when the twins lose, but we were talking about who would start game three for the Yankees. And, uh, I don't know, you know, Jay Happ's been really good, but they're not probably not going to trot out a lefty against the White Sox. I, I just don't know if they have the pitching depth where if you made it to the ALCS and played seven games in a row, I like the twins a lot more in that scenario than I do in the first round, because what do the Yankees have after, after Colin Tanaka, Davey Garcia had struggled his last time out. I know. And, and is a rookie still, it's not like he throws 99, you know, he's got a low nineties fastball. He's a, a kid, you know, he's, he's going to pitch in the postseason in big games. They don't really have the pitching depth in my opinion, where I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind facing them in the ALCS, but in the first round, when, when game one matters so much, and it's Garrett Cole, you know, and Kenta Maeda, as good as he's been, it's Garrett Cole, and he's been phenomenal in September. I don't, I don't favor that matchup as much just because of how big that game is, you know? Yeah, I would agree with you, and I think that makes sense from uh, wanting to see them in the ALCS type scenario, too, because in a five-game series, you probably can run Cole out there for two games, mm-hmm. not bringing him back in some capacity in game five if you really need him to. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, there, I would imagine – they're going to want to run him into the ground outside. Yeah, it's a long-term deal. That's what they signed him for. Right. He's their horse, and yep. yeah, Tanaka is there. But I, I would say, yeah, it's a coin toss between Hap and um, Davey Garcia, too. They didn't plan on not having Luis Severino and Domingo Herman and some of, some of their other previously established pitchers. So, yeah, I would say the more, the more runway you can have in a series against the Yankees, the better off you are. Let's talk about those White Sox for a second because I think it's been and before the season we knew there was a lot of there's a lot of hype about the White Sox and I know you and I have talked about it before too with John that you know I think they're the Twins biggest rival I would say uh and I dislike the Sox more than any other team in baseball I'd, even more than the Yankees and if you ask me like if the Yankees play the White Sox who am I cheering for I'm cheering for the Yankees that's how much I dislike the White Sox really don't like them a lot of that's the competitiveness with the buddies but what have you seen from this team, Ted, uh, this year? And, you know, I, I like that you can feel biased. I feel biased, too, as, as Twins fans. But uh, being aware of that bias, what have you noticed about the White Sox uh, this year and, and now into the future as they try to contest the Twins? Yeah, I think they really are. Going into the year, I, I was really banging the drum that they're the 2017 Twins, or that's where I think they'll be. And I think that's true. I think that they've shown that they're going to be good um, and probably going to be good for quite some time and establish themselves. Uh, but there's going to be some hiccups in the road. And I think that's, they're seeing some of those prospect development issues um, that the twins maybe saw before 2017 because Boston yep. and Sano were already in the big leagues for a couple of years by then. Um, Barrios too. But um yeah, I, I wouldn't be – I think the 60-game season obviously helped them a lot. They beat up on two really bad teams in the division, and they've struggled with virtually everyone else. And I think the the more you spread out a schedule, um, the closer to, you know, a middle ground they get. I wouldn't be shocked if they took a little bit of a step backwards next year, depending on, you know, who they bring in as reinforcements. And I don't think Jose Abreu is going to win an MVP again next year. Um, but – I think that they're they're here to stay, and yeah, Luis Roberts kind of going through it right now, but the guy's a stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yohan Makata has figured it out, and 
has come into his own. Eloy, I don't know that he's ever going to be um, more than kind of an all-or-nothing hitter, but that works for Miguel Sano too. So, yeah, I, I think that they're going to be right there with the Twins for quite some time. Yeah, and it's kind of funny just from our perspective too. And we look at the White Sox this year. They're, they're, they were leading the division even a week ago. They're leading the division. Jose Abreu looks like the runaway AL MVP. Tim Anderson going to win a back-to-back batting title. And then today, looks like Jose Ramirez has, has leapfrogged Jose Abreu. Uh, DJ LeMayu is now the, the batting leader in the American League, and the Twins have overtaken them in the Central. That is the beauty, Ted, of not only baseball, but of a 60-game season. It, it can change in a nanosecond. An interesting scenario this weekend, though, is let's say the Twins lose two out of three, White Sox win two out of three. We'll be cheering for the Indians to sweep because the Twins will win a three-way uh, tiebreaker this season has been really wild I think and and we've really put a lot into every day and and you feel those emotions and you feel the roller coaster more Ted we're we're in the final weekend I want to know your thoughts 60 game season how have you felt about it it's made me come around so I've always been very staunch on the 162 game slate I just I mean traditionalist and whatever. And I realize it hasn't always been 162 games, but it's made me come around on a smaller season or a shorter mm-hmm. season. But that's still like 150 some games for me. Um, I think there's just baseball is a sport with way too much nuance and way too much, um, I guess, reflection on a daily basis that there's hot streaks and cold streaks and guys working through things. I, I just think you lose so much of that by muting um, the amount of action that there actually is. Now, I do love that every night it's appointment viewing and uh, you're hanging, you know, at the edge of your seat, but that happens at the end of the season regardless um, for for anyone that's invested in right. the outcome. So I, I don't know that it's necessary to manufacture that level of awareness um, at the expense of kind of taking away what baseball does well. I'm with you. I, I'm definitely 162 guy as well. And, and we're diehard watch 150 out of 162, you know, every year. And um, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that too. One of my biggest pet peeves, I think, and I, I don't like when people who aren't super invested in baseball, uh, people who don't follow it every day, who don't embrace and immerse themselves in the game, will, will have opinions. I mean, it's fine to have an opinion, but will reflect that less is better you know, in baseball, I'm, I'm with you with variation and I'm, I'm open to other opinions too. I'm not saying I'm, I'm close to the idea of reducing the, the season. I just think this gave an opportunity to people who don't really like baseball all that much to say, Oh, 60 games is, is way better than 162. I, I just, if, if you're a true baseball person, I don't think you'd ever say that 60 games is better than 162. That's, that's right. in my opinion. I think that that's the case. Yeah, and when you, I mean, when you have that opinion too, how how much more invested were you because it was 60 games as opposed to 162 right. games? The idea of it being shorter and now you hear that like this postseason race matters. Well, the postseason race matters in 162 as well. And if you're only watching, you know, 10% of 162 games and you only watch 10% of 60, you're like, congrats, you watched six games, but you still didn't really invest yourself in anything. Right. I, I agree. And 
you know, it's, it's an interesting balance because Rocco always says too, like they would lose last year and he'd say, yeah, you know, it's, we lost, we'll be back out tomorrow. And it's a really resilient group. Rocco's birthday today. I'm looking at a tweet. He's 136 and 83 as the twins manager, which is uh, pretty impressive. What have you been, what have been your impressions of Rocco Ted since he's come in and uh, you know, what, what are some of your favorite things about him as a manager and what do you think is going to give the twins an edge here in the postseason a second time with him at the helm? Yeah, I think he's just very calculated and very even keel. Um, but maybe most importantly is they they really needed to bridge that gap. And they didn't have the opportunity with Molitor because the front off that wasn't the front office's guy. But being able to bring in Rocco and, and the coaching staff they have, they aren't analytically driven, but they're analytically guided. And they have coaches that can, like, correlate and expand upon those ideas to players and it's it getting guys or getting anyone in any walk of life getting you to believe that something is your idea or you're doing it for the betterment of yourself as opposed to you're doing this because someone told you to or because they planted the seed in your head that's the difference between investment and actually moving on or moving moving through something it's the difference between capitalizing on a Ryan Presley or turning you know Matt Whistler into Matt Whistler right so yeah I I think that they're they're well guided as they're gonna be this is probably the best twins roster in franchise history that doesn't mean it always results in a world series there's one team that wins it every year but I don't know how you could go into the postseason and think you know, I really wish they had this right now. Yeah, and I think we're feeling now, too. I, I feel good about the 2021 Twins, you know, and maybe <laughs> it's just such an up-and-down roller coaster. During the six-game losing streak, it felt like they were never going to win again. And now they take the division over, and it's and you're, you're reminded of how good this team is and, and the promise they have going into October. Ted, let's get your postseason prediction. Starts on Tuesday. I know before the season, I think you mentioned maybe Twins-Dodgers on the show in the in the world series are you going to stick with that or or what do you think and um where do the twins have to slot i know we mentioned we'd love for them to get maybe that two seed where do you think the twins have to slot to go far and what do you foresee this postseason i'd much rather like we said not see the yankees in that first round um so staying out of that four seed would be would be beneficial um i think they could hang with anyone um they would face in that two slot and I, I'll stick with Twins Dodgers. Um, went with that at the beginning of the year. Might as well stick with it now. Um, I think that some of some of those top teams in the AL are going to have to cannibalize each other. I mean, the White Sox, the Indians, the Yankees, the Rays, they're not all going to be able to play the Blue Jays or the Astros or whatever. Um, so some of those teams are going to knock each other off before – the twins come into the picture. And then in, in the um, NL, I just, Los Angeles is just so much better than everyone else. It's not, it's not funny. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be fun. I wish Clevenger was, pit- I don't know if he's going to pitch uh, in the NL. It sounded like potentially by the, the championship round. That would be really fun. Padres Dodgers in the playoffs would be really, yeah. really fun. That would suck for Dodgers fans. They lose again. And it's to their divisional rival who they just beat <laughs> for like their ninth straight uh, division title. How much emphasis do you place, Ted, before I let you go, on this division championship this year? I mean, even if the Twins win it, from a from the sake of 
a, an accomplishment, yeah, you were still the best team, but you played each team 10 times. I don't know. To me, it, it matters more about seeding than it does anything else. And I think I tweeted the other night, I, selfishly, I would like to see them win the division solely because of how much the White Sox were going to they were never going to lose again after they took it over. I'd just like to see them have that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I've heard enjoyment. I read replies to like James Fagan's tweets. And my, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of cynical in that way. I like to, I like to read the sad White Sox Twitter tweets. It's, it's incredible how much they've shifted over. I mean, you know, a week ago it was everyone's going to lose to Chicago. And now I think it was, um, was it last night that uh, Rick Renneria pitched Rodon for too long in his yeah. like first game back or something? And I'm pretty sure that every uh, every White Sox fan in Fagan's uh, mentions wanted him burned at the stake. It it's gonna it's an unforgettable week. No matter yeah. how it no matter how it goes, just how these games have played out. Watching these games, I fist pumped harder last night when the when Cleveland went up than when the Twins win, you know, like equally. It's just been an unbelievable week for the Twins. Everything is broken in their favor. The Yankees have lost. The White Sox get swept. The Twins sweep the Tigers. Max Kepler comes through. I mean, it's just been a magical week for them all around. I hope they clean it up and finish this weekend. Ted, I want to have you back on if the the Twins start winning some postseason games. We'll check back in. But thank you. I'll let you get back to work. I know you got to pay the bills. Awesome. Thanks, Nash.